Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Score! The cards win! The cards win! They walk them off! The cards win! And they see new life here in Omaha! You're listening to the 3rd and Central Podcast. Powered by the state of Louisville. Now, here's Matt McGaddick. Welcome, 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 everyone, to another episode of the Third and Central Podcast, a Louisville baseball specific podcast hosted on the State of Louisville Network. I'm Matt McGavick, joined by Matt Sikovic. And before I get any further into this podcast, I just want to say to the viewers, I'm sorry it's been three weeks. I know I personally have been dealing with a lot of responsibilities with uh, all the other Louisville sports over with Louisville Report. You know, it's March, so I don't even have to explain any further why I've been busy. You know, basketball has been having their things. The women are having a good uh, postseason run. They actually just ended their Sweet 16 game against Northwestern, came down from nearly 20, so good on them. And then football spring practice just wrapped up about, about a week and a half ago, so obviously that warranted some attention there but all that's starting to get behind me we're heading into april it's going to be starting in to get into the meat of baseball season so hopefully we'll be on a little bit more of a consistent schedule uh here on out but knock on wood hopefully nothing else comes up between now and then but without further ado um i am matt mcgavick joined by matt sikovic matt how you doing today enough about myself (laughs) Uh, no i'm doing well matt um it's been a long time we were talking just before we hopped on it's been uh, you know three weeks since we've been able to record anything with everything going on this time of the year. So excited to get back in the groove of things. Um, like I said, baseball season is uh, hitting a stride right now. ACC plays picking up, and Louisville seems to be uh, hitting a stride right at the perfect time. So uh, it's a good time of the year. Oh yeah, Mar- March is always a busy time with, like I said, basketball, spring football practice, baseball starting up. It's kind of like how November is, where the football season kind of interlaps with the start of. Uh, the basketball seasons and you know that's when the baseball kind of does the end of fall camp uh fall ball and whatnot so but anyways let's go right into the meat of things like you just said um conference play it's it's starting to pick up uh Louisville opened up with as we know a one to two series loss down at Georgia Tech to pick up thing to start off things they were outscored 38 to 28 and you know if I told you that Louisville was going to score 28 runs in a series you would think okay that's at least a series win maybe a sweep depending on how the pitching staff goes 
But uh, when you give up 38 runs, you're not going to win many baseball games. But fortunately, it's been it's been nothing but conference wins since then. They welcomed a, a red hot BC team, a, a team that I'm really high on. I think has got a, a lot of things going right now. They welcomed them with a 3-0 sweep, sent them back to Chestnut Hill with no wins. And then what they do after that, they went straight to North Carolina State against a, a, a bit of a struggling Wolfpack team. They were they were like a top half ACC preseason team, and they've kind of fall. I don't want to say fallen on hard times yet. It's still early in the season, but they've got kind of a rough start. They, but still going to Raleigh and sweeping them is no easy feat. But the, you know that's exactly what Louisville did. They went down there, won three games to nothing. So they're on a six game conference winning streak right now. So even though they started on that you know, series lost down to Georgia Tech, they've they've kind of turned things around so far as uh, in conference play goes. Yeah, and I think it's a good thing we got NC State when we did because they've got a couple injuries right now so um that's that's a team that's got a lot of talent um they are pretty deep but right now just with injuries they've uh they've suffered the past couple weeks so i'm glad we caught them now rather than later at the end of the year um take three games from them down in raleigh it's a big series sweep right yeah and louisville's had to deal with injuries too so i I would like to think that things kind of equal out there now probably not as much as nc state but still like i said going down to rally against a program like nc state elliot avent's been a tremendous coach in his tenure down there so winning a series down there is no easy feat to completely sweep them is is great on them no matter what kind of team you have the the only question mark that i have with this team like so far in terms of like you know the schedule goes is that they've been, they've been really inconsistent with their midweek games. Uh, they're, they're three and two in midweek so far. They've, they took a loss to at EKU, even though they won the home, uh, the first of two uh, home games with them. And then they, they dropped a head scratcher against uh, Moorhead state, a team that, well, in the last several years has been a little bit of a barn burner, mainly because it's a midweek game. That's how all midweek games are, but see, seeing them kind of falter like that in those midweeks, it's, it's been a little bit concerning, not, overly concerning because it's been one game and not entire series but seeing them I think if this team is going to get a little bit more consistent I think they might have to kind of fix the 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 the, the bullpen pitching there in some of those midweek games because it's they're usually staff days but like I said I can't complain too much this this team is on a six conference wins uh, conference game win streak they've won I think two of their last four midweeks I think they're on the right side of a win streak they're on first the midweek goes so I I can't complain too much about that no and I think that goes back to our last episode we talked to Nick Bennett and Jake Snyder you know they talked about uh, Coach McDonald teams it takes a little bit to get going sometimes uh, McDonald likes to use the beginning of the year to move players around, try different pitchers out, uh, you know, different situations. So I think, you know, now that he has settled in, who's going to be starting where, uh, what the rotation is going to look like on the weekend, who our midweek guys are going to be, I think you're going to see this little team settle in and uh, those midweek losses hopefully are going to be behind us here soon. And uh, talking about settling in, I'm going to use that as a perfect segue here to transition into uh, talking about some of the recent storylines. I don't want to call it mid-season storylines yet because we're still about another week, week and a half away from the true mid-season point. But I'll just call it recent storylines. The, the the bats are starting; they're starting to heat up a little bit. Like we've said before, uh, the first few weeks of the season, they were a little cold. They were especially struggling with runners in scoring position. In fact, the first eight games of the season, so this was right before ACC play started. They were only batting 272 as a team, and they were averaging just 6.25 runs a game. I mean, batting over 250, I mean, for a team like Louisville, that's that's just not something you expect. But ever since ACC play started, 
they, they, they've turned it up a notch ever since uh, that Georgia Tech series. They're batting 313, and they're averaging more than eight runs a game. They're averaging 8.25 runs a game. So they've improved their run average by a, two whole runs since conference play started. And considering that's a bump in competition, it, it, it's, it's kind of surprising. But given given the uh, the talent that Louisville has on this roster, I don't want to I want to say it's 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 not shocking, but it's nice to see that they're fi- that as collectively they're starting to turn things up a notch. Yeah, and this is something Matt we've talked about before, and this could definitely come into play. When you play teams, nothing against them, but, you know, Bellarmine and the Western Illinois and the teams like that, you know, their pitchers don't have quite the arm that we see in the ACC. Um, so, you know, the the speed, they're not used to that because it's so much slower. So I think that does come into play a little bit. So now that they've seen a little bit more lively arms, um, I think you've seen the numbers increase, which this team seems to happen, not year in and year out, but it's a pretty normal thing under Coach, Coach McDonald. Right. And they're not just uh, raising that batting average. Of course, that's always important. As of this recording, they're batting just a couple ticks under 300. They're batting 298, which is good for top 30 in D1. But they're also uh, working uh, working the pitchers. They're getting on base, drawing with uh, walks and stuff. Their on-base percentage is uh, 391, which is a, a little bit worse. It's at 44th overall in D1, but still top 50. That's it's nothing to sniff at. And to, to counter that, not only are they getting on base via you know base hits, singles, walks, all that, but their slugging percentage is 469, which that is top 30 as well in D1. So they they have a really well-balanced uh, approach to the plate as of late. They're getting on base. They're driving balls even to the gap down the uh, down the uh, outfield lines and over the fence, as we've seen several times in the last couple weekends. And uh, kind of building off of how they've improved their run output by two runs since conference play started, a lot of that has to do with stolen bases. And you and I both know that, the base steal is something that Dan McDonald has employed since day one. That's that's not a surprise. That's been a staple of his programs since, like since he got here. But to see them steal bases at the rate they're stealing now, it's almost unheard of, and it's it's it's, it's surprising. In fact, as heading into this Notre Dame series, they've got fifty six stolen bases on the season far and ahead the tops in Division One, and they're averaging two point eight per game, which that is fifth in D one, but that's uh, behind a few teams who haven't played as many games as Louisville, so that'll eventually catch up. And a lot of that success now, every a lot of people on this team are, are swiping bags left and right. I know I've, I said it on the last podcast, when, you, when you've when you got your catcher, Henry Davis, stealing bases, <laughs> you know you're a good base running team. But a lot of the success has to do with Levi Usher, outfielder Levi Usher in his second year with Louisville. Just him by himself has 18 stolen bases. He has the most stolen bases in Division One. In fact, his stolen base total of 18 matches or is more than 170 Division One teams have combined. That's insane. Like, and I, I think the most impressive thing about his stolen base numbers right now is that he's only batting 226. So he actually only has 14 hits on the season. He's been walked nine times and hit once. So he's had 14 opportunities to be on base this year. And he's got 24 stolen bases. Yeah, can, and, can can you imagine if he gets if he just gets that batting average up to 250, he'd have so many more stolen base opportunities. Yeah, I, I think uh, what he's doing right now is really impressive. And like you said, if you can just get that number up to you know 250, then work it up to 275. The amount of pressure that he's going to put on the opposing pitchers, um, it, it's it's unheard of how important that is, and uh, the amount of stress it puts on the other team. Right. If you can be a Golden Spikes, you know, in, in the conversation for the Golden Spikes, 
and you're only batting, you know, 250, you know, and, and average batting average in college or just in baseball period, you know, you're doing something special out on the base baths. Okay. So now we've, we've talked a lot about, you know, the, uh, the hitting of this team. Now let's, let's take a, another look at the pitching. Now the pitching it's, it's been kind of up and down. It's been constantly in flux. Now let's recap the season uh, opener well, the season opening series against Bellerman. This was the starting rotation. Glenn Albanese as the Friday night guy. Adam Elliott made his transition from the bullpen to starter. He was the Saturday guy. Luke Smith, which was, I think was the most surprising. He was the Sunday guy. And then for the midweek game, you had Luke seed. That was the very first series. And in this past series against NC State, a little bit different. The Friday night guy was not Glenn Albanese. It was actually Michael Kerrion, our closer from last year. He's made the full-blown transition to all-world closer to starter, and he looks phenomenal out there, which props to him for being able to make that transition. Glenn Albanese got bumped down to the Saturday role, and that's nothing against him because I'm sure, I'm sure he's still kind of recovering from his, his bout with COVID-1 and 2. When you've got a guy like Michael Carrion, you know, pitching likes out like he is, I mean, I don't care who you are, it, give give him the give them the ball to start the to start the series, and then Luke C goes from midweek to Sunday to starter, and that's mainly because Luke Smith is kind of struggling a little bit to start the season. I think that's that's probably out of the the starters that we've seen so far because Louisville's seen seven different pitchers start games. You've had the five that we just mentioned, and then you had Seamus Barrett and Michael Prosecki each have a midweek start. So Louisville's still trying to tinker with that rotation and try and find who exactly to start when. But I think the most surprising for me has been that uh, Luke Smith just hasn't looked like himself a lot of the time. Yeah, I think that's definitely been most shocking this year because going into the season, I think Louisville fans and probably the coaching staff too thought Luke Smith was – you know, the one weekend guy that we could really count on. But, uh, you know, going into the series against Notre Dame, he's dropped his ERA to 3.42 with the uh, midweek game, but he was over five before that game, if I'm not mistaken. Um, just hasn't had his best stuff this year. Um, giving up nine runs, um, you know, just 18 strikeouts on the year. Just hasn't had the stuff that he had the past couple of years for Louisville and not with the coaching staff or the uh, fans expected out of him this year. Right. And not to just kind of throw him all the way out there because he kind of had a, a season similar to this, like he had in 2019, he had a little bit of a slow start. He was actually uh, started out at the bullpen before making midweek starts and then progressed into a weekend guy where he was had his best, his best performances of the season in the postseason. Like we all remember that Vanderbilt game. Yeah. 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 They had the, the earned run toward in the eighth inning, but you know, if Louisville gets one or two more runs, they win that game. And he, I, I still have faith that Luke's going to turn it around because he's too good of a player not to. But it's it's, it's not been a, a, a great start. It's not been a horrific start. It could be it could be a lot worse, but it could be a lot better. Right. And, and you know, I, I agree with that one hundred percent. I mean, you look at, not to dive into this too much right now because we're going to talk about it here in a little bit. But if you look at the season Alex Benella's had and the way he's turned it around, it can easily be done. It just takes a couple games, couple starts, get a little confidence, um, which we know Luke Smith doesn't lack there. So, you know, once he gets a, uh, you know, couple of good outings behind him, um, I could see him right back in the weekend rotation um, very soon. Oh, absolutely. And uh, like we've, we've said many times heading into the season, the strength of this team was going to be the position players. And we've seen that time in and time out. They've, they've kind of turned it around the last few weekends. And that the biggest question mark was going to be like the pitching staff, the starters, which you just mentioned, and some of the depth of the, um, of the overall staff as a whole. And uh, the, the bullpen has, uh, 
it's looked great in some games. In some games, you, you're, you're questioning if they can even find the strike zone. In fact, after that uh, 13 to six win against Western Kentucky, there's only one reliever on the staff who's exclusive a reliever has hasn't made any starts. Who's just exclusively coming out of the bullpen, who has more than one appearance and an ERA under three, and that's Caleb Corbett. And I, I'm sure that'll get turned around. I'm sure guys will start to catch fire because I remember watching um, Alex Galvan towards the end of that Western Kentucky game. Man, his, his pitch repertoire. Once he he hones in on that, he's going to be deadly because he was throwing. 96 97 mile per hour fastballs and then he was following up that up with 82 83 84 mile per hour change-ups when you're having to adjust your eyes to not only the speed and the level of that pitch just back to back once once he gets that figured out in terms of like location the strike zone and consistency and whatnot i think he's going to be someone that's going to be deadly but as just right now the the pins kind of struggled a little bit and and uh I don't think it's going to be too large of a concern because like, because when you've got a closer in Caleb Corbett and he's performing it the way that he has so far to start the season, I mean, you, you feel good about him going out there to toss one, maybe two innings to kind of shut the door against opponents. But when you need that middle reliever, uh, someone who, you know, will set up to get Caleb Corbett to get the save or close the door, you, you're kind of holding your breath a little bit. No, 100%. You've got to find a couple other arms in that bullpen and Roger Williams, he will. He has every year that he's been here, but you've got to have a couple guys. And, you know, right now we've got Adam Elliott in the pen. He's good for a couple innings. And then you've got Corbett, who's been lights out this year, but you can't rely on those two every single game. So we've got to have a couple other guys step up. I think the um, the horses are down there in the bullpen. We've just got to find out who they are and, um, you know, go ahead and get this thing rolling uh, going into ACC play. Right. And it, it sounds like I'm poo-pooing all over the pitching staff. I'm not, I'm just expressing concerns, but to kind of put it out there, they, they are starting to turn a corner a little bit. I, in the first 12 games of the season, they collectively, the pitching staff had a 4.16 ERA, which, you know, isn't terrible. It isn't great. And they were giving up 8.9 hits per nine innings. But in the last seven games, you know, the, the Boston College, the NC State series, and that uh, the Western Kentucky game, the staff ERA is all the way down to 2.66 and they've shaved off from 8.9 hits per game to 6.1 hits per nine innings. So there's, there's clear progression there. They're getting better. They just have to find another, just keep continuing to progress, keep continuing to find consistency, just have, have more, have uh, better outings, have more consistent outings and they'll get there. And I I just want to transition now into they're talking about some of the, this team's top performers because there's plenty of them. And I'm going to start with the, uh, the uh, position players, because of course I am there's that's where a lot of the talent, uh, the talent and uh, high performers are so far. And I think the conversation, it, it starts, it doesn't end because there's a lot of guys, but it, it absolutely starts with catcher Henry Davis. He's batting 397. He's got five home runs, 25 runs batted in five doubles and 13 walks, all but the batting average are team best. And to kind of one-up on that, he's, as of this recording, he's on a 22-game hitting streak. That's the best in the Dan McDonald era, and that's actually the second best in Louisville history. He's just three away from tying Tommy Barnes' 25-hit streak that he had all the way in 1992. Uh, So far, Davis is living up to his Golden Spikes preseason calling. Yeah, and I actually I saw, I think it was this morning, uh, D1 Baseball had him as the number one-ranked catcher. Um, coming out of this class so 
you know, he had a lot of preseason accolades. And like you said, Matt, he's living up to the hype and just leading this team. It seems like every time he comes up to bat, um, it's a meaningful situation, and he delivers just about every time he's at the plate. We've really relied on his bat, and um, it's 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 nice to have Henry Davis in the lineup right now, the way he's hitting the ball. Absolutely. And and to call him the best uh, catcher in the ACC, I mean, that's, that's, that's a huge honor right there because the ACC – I mean, you can make the argument that they have some of the best catchers, the best crop of catchers in the entire country. Because, of course, there's Davis, there's Adrian Del Castillo down in Miami. We just saw Luca Tresh and what he can do over at NC State. And then we saw Kevin Parada, and he he had an incredible tear uh, for Georgia Tech to start the season. There are plenty of viable catchers, plenty of, you know, first-team All-American candidate catchers in the ACC and to have Henry Davis be the cream of the crop of all these backstops that just says the amount of uh, it says the production that he's putting in so far to start the season. And I can, and I expect him to continue on that tear and let's, let's knock on wood. We'll see if he can match that, um, that hitting streak best. I know when I was, I was watching that Western Kentucky game. I was kind of, I was getting nervous. last. I was holding my breath a little bit. He was, (laughs) I thought after his third at bat, he, he wasn't going to get that opportunity to get the fourth one, but then the offense kind of exploded, I believe, in like the seventh or eighth inning to give him that fourth at bat, and he got that bases loaded knock through the uh, through the right side. You know, I was hoping for a grand slam there, but hey, I'll take what I can get. He extended his his hitting streak, so you know, props to him. And then yeah, of when course, he went down in the seventh. I was like, I was like, I don't think he's going to get another chance. And then McDonald started taking you know some of the players out, and I was like, surely he's not going to take Davis out in case he comes right. back up. And luckily enough, he left him in. And he was able to come back into the ninth and get that single through the right side to extend his streak. So it was good to see that he got that opportunity. Yeah, let's hope that he can. And then, of course, we've got uh, Cam Masterman and Cooper Bowman. They've, they've had a really hot start. Cam's kind of cooled off a little bit. He had his B, his batting average up in about the 400s. It's, it's down, I mean, quote, unquote, down to 338. But, I mean, that's, that's still pretty damn good. And he's also got five from ones. Actually, both him. Excuse me, both him and Cooper Bowman have five on runs. So it's a three-way tie for the most jacks on the team. So when you've got three really viable power threats, I mean, you got to like your chances. And then Cam's got 15 RBI, Cooper Bowman's got 12 RBI. So they're all three of those guys are really good at driving in runs. But before I go over to the, the pitching staff and kind of highlight some of the, you know, top performers over there, I want to give an honorable mention to Alex Benellis because he finally, 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 is starting to turn things around and Lord have mercy. He is tearing the cover off of the ball. He's got, he's, he's got his batting average up to 215. And when, when you hear that, you got a batting average to 215. Oh, that's, that's not very impressive. What are you talking about? He had his batting average about two weeks in the season. His batting average was down to 0.048. That that's almost as low as you can get without, without going hitless. The fact that it's up to 215 now speaks volume to the tear that he's gone on recently. And I'll get into that in a second. He's got two home runs. And actually, he's been so hot as of late. He's second on the team in RBIs with 18. He opened up the season just 2-31. and And that was entering ACC play. Since conference play started, he's 15 for 48. That's just a hair over batting 300. He is kicking it up a notch, and I could not be happier that he's finally starting to, to get things figured out. Yeah, I'm really happy for Alex. You know, he he struggled early on this year and just, you know, stayed the course. Um, last night he had a four-hit night, 
with uh, five RBIs against Western. If I'm not mistaken, I think he had two, two triples. triples. Yep. Yeah, he had. Um, and I was actually reading up about that. Louisville's, I think, top ten or fifteen in triples in the country right now. Um, yeah, I believe they're, they're fifth, sixth, or seven. They're somewhere in that frame in terms of triples per game. It, it, it's crazy. We've we've got a catcher who can steal bases, and we got a third baseman who can drive in triples. I mean, uh, just throw all like common knowledge and common sense and or conventional wisdom about baseball out the window with this team. <laughs> and speaking of Alex, you know, not only offensively, they've moved him around a little bit. He's pl- been playing a lot of first as well. Yeah. And that's a big transition. You know, people think, oh, you're playing the corner. There's not there's not a lot of difference to it. But when you think that every single play, you have to catch the ball that's coming from the defender. It's, you know, you're involved in every single play. It's not just one out of every couple plays, every couple innings you're involved in every single play and he's made it, you know, when he first went over there, you could tell that he wasn't as comfortable with it, but now that we're a couple of weeks in that he's had a lot more time over at first base, you can see the growth and how much better he's doing over there and how much more comfortable he looks at first base. Absolutely. And, and, and props to him for being open to playing over at third at uh, first base, because he's been a third baseman all his life. I mean, we talked to him after that Western game and I straight up asked him, Hey, before this, have you ever taken many reps at first base and he and he he said no and then i followed that question up with have you ever hit two triples in a game and even then he, <laughs> he did the, doing that in high school so he, he he's doing a lot he's he's opening his uh he's opening things up he's more open to doing stuff to try and get back on the right track to try and help the team which is always a great sign and now we, and now i want to talk about uh two of the the top pitchers on the staff now they've kind of had their struggles we've do, talked about that but i think the conversation when talking about the best pitcher on the team that starts with Michael Kirian, because whenever a, um, a closer makes his transition to, you know, starting rotation there, there's usually some, some uh, adjustments to be made, particularly when going deep into, into outings. Cause if you're a closer, you're, you're used to pitching one, two, maybe in some situations, pitching three innings to get one of those like three out saves. And then that's it. But Michael Kirian has made a seamless transition going deep into games and he's, he's pitched 23.1 innings so far. He's, and he's only got a 0.77 ERA and he actually won a pitcher of the week this past week for the ACC after his fantastic outing against NC state. He actually took a no hitter into the eighth inning. And I, I was, whenever I was live tweeting that I was doing everything in my power to not <laughs> use the words, no hitter. And I was, I was just thinking of every, frame i could possibly think and so whenever he lost the no hitter i was like okay i can't blame myself for jinxing that but i but i digress he's uh all jokes aside he's doing fantastic and couple that with a strikeout to walk ratio of 27 to 8 over five appearances and four starts i mean you you can't ask much more from him for a guy making his transition from closer to starter right and it's funny you say that about the game on friday when you know trying not to tweet that he was taking had a no hitter uh, I was actually out with the family that night, so I was trying to keep up with the score. And we got home in the eighth inning. I'm sorry, we got home in the seventh inning. And I pulled it up on my phone, and he still had a no-hitter. So I was trying to be a good fan, and I didn't turn the game on because I was like, you know, if I turn the game on and he gets a hit now, this is my fault. So I followed on my phone, and then uh, in the eighth, he gave up a hit. So I turned it on and watched the last uh, inning. But I, I, uh, I missed – a good majority of it because I didn't want to take the blame for that. You heard, it, what, you heard what, it here what, first. If, if he was <laughs> Matt here is the reason that Michael Kirian broke his no hitter breaking news. <laughs> uh, but now what he's done this year, um, you know, transitioning from 
a closer role to a starter. You know, Roger Williams has done this in the past. It's it's nothing new to him, but for the player, that's a it's a big difference. You know, you're you have a scheduled start, so you know when you're going to be pitching, but you're going to be pitching a lot more innings than just one or two at the most. Right. So just making that transition, it's it's tough. It's a being a you know pitcher's a it's a there's a big mental aspect to it. So just the fact that he's been able to go up there and you know with a .77 ERA, four and zero on the year, and only allowing batters to hit one seventy two against him through his first handful of starts, it's pretty impressive. Oh, absolutely, and, and plus, whenever you have that kind of transition, because he was he was the go to closer. I mean, sometimes Adam Elliott got into that role. But then when you had him going to starter, that that leaves the uh, the question: Okay, who's gonna, who's going to be the closer now? Unfortunately, uh, Louisville has not had to um, run into many questions as to who their closer is because I'm pretty damn sure they found it because right-hander Caleb Corbett he is just on an absolute tear to start the season. Honestly, as, as hot of a start of uh, Henry Davis has had, as hot of a start that Cam Masterman and some of those position guys have had, you can make the argument that. Caleb Corbett has arguably had the best start to the season because he's had so far nine relief appearances out of the bullpen has not given up a single earned run. And he's got a, a whip of 0.61 over. He's got 14.2 innings pitch. So he's, he's got a decent chunk, a decent sample size there. And he's got a strikeout to walk ratio of 21 to three. He is, he's as lights out as lights out can get. And thank God for that because there were there were already some question marks regarding this pitching staff of who's going to fill what role in fact uh coach mcdonald actually mentioned that the other day when i was asking him about uh how luke smith got relegated to basically midweek starter he he basically just said everyone has to have a role and everyone has to fill that role and play that role and excel that role thankfully louisville has found who is who's going to be their go-to closer role and I, every every year, Dan McDonald always has a freshman or two who you out of nowhere just just absolutely lights the diamond on fire. Uh, in 2019, that was uh, Alex Manellis. In uh, in 2020, I don't want to call him a freshman, but Le- Levi Usher was probably the newcomer, quote unquote, who who performed the highest. This year, it's Caleb Corbin. There's not even a close second. And I remember when I was talking to Caleb. This was before the season it was last year sometime and you know, just asking him what he he's going to bring to Louisville what we can expect of him when he shows up on campus and the the thing that he kept reiterating is how much energy he will bring to the field and you see it every time he's out there you know the guy first off he can't keep his hat on his head um, <laughs> I was going to mention that <laughs> it, it's the funniest thing you know every time he comes in the game Twitter's talking about Corbett's hat falling off um, and how many times his hat's fallen off. And, you know, they, they started talking about it on TV now. But every time he comes in the game, he just brings so much energy to the dugout and, you know, get a big strikeout to bases loaded jam like he did this past weekend and, um, you know, run to the dugout. The guys are coming out. He just brings so much momentum um, to the team that, uh, you know, not only is he putting up good numbers, but what he's doing um, for the team get them momentum going forward and get them amped up in the dugout. It's, it's unspoken. And he, he's basically another Adam Elliott and like Adam Elliott, he's, he's a local guy. He pitched right. over at Fern Creek. He wasn't a really highly regarded product, but Dan McDonald did, uh, did himself a service and uh, took a look at a lot of local prospects here in town. And he saw what uh, he saw Corbett. He liked what he saw and he decided to give him a shot. 
And so, I, I think Corbett's going to be a guy that's, you know, he's going to be around for a while. We're, we're going to remember this name for a long time based on the small sample size we've seen from him so far. And, you know, he could be the next Michael Keery in the transition to starter here in a couple of years. He's, he, he certainly had the, the, the good start and the hot start required to be the next Michael Kieran and whatnot. And uh, anyways, let's, let's make the transition into who we're about to face in the, over the next couple of weeks. Specifically, let's start with the, uh, the first opponent we have on the docket, Notre Dame. This, this isn't the Notre Dame of the past where, you know, Louisville is, wins like umpteen games in a row against Notre Dame. Mick Aoki is no longer with Notre Dame. Uh, oddly enough, he's with Moorhead State, and Moorhead State just beat Louisville. So and I guess he got his revenge somehow. But anyways. Because he that, could not beat, not beat Louisville when he was at Notre Dame. Yeah, I know. I, I can't remember what exactly the, the, the streak was. It was a long time. It was, I think I it was think, the teens, if I'm not mistaken. I think count, counting last year's Moorhead State game, uh, I think Dan McDonald had won 20 in a row against Mick Ioki. Yeah, it, it and, was a long time. Uh, yeah, so I think that puts it at 19 against Notre Dame. So, And and, and if you ask me, man, I, I really don't think they're going to keep that winning streak intact this this uh, this weekend because Notre Dame, like I said, the, the, this isn't the, old, the Notre Dame of old. They're really good. Ever since they brought in new head coach Link Jarrett, they they've been on a tear. I can't. I don't know what they what their record was last season, but it was they had a really hot start. And as of right now, heading into their weekend series with Louisville, they're up to ten and three. They're nine and three in the ACC. Actually, before their midweek game, they had played nothing but ACC competition. So they're they're battle tested for sure. They're actually up to the number twelve team overall in the country, and they're one of the best power hitting teams in all of the ACC. They, they've they're they're led by one of the top power hitters in all the nation in first baseman, uh, Nico Cavadas. He's got a batting average of 326. This is pretty good. He's got nine home runs, nine. And then he couples that up with 23 RBI and with a slugging percentage that's nearly as good as many people's OPS. He's got a slugging percentage of 957. That's almost unheard of. And of course, that that leads the ACC. How could it not? And Notre Dame actually has a really peculiar batting order. It's it's very top heavy because they've got four guys that bat over 300. And then outside of those guys, you've got 11 that bat under 260 and several that are way under like into the 100s. So it'll be an interesting matchup with Louisville's pitching staff. If they could get through Nika Gavadas and Cole and whatnot, uh, they, they might be in good shape to, you know, come out of South Bend with a series win. But uh, it, it, it's not going to be easy, not by a long shot. No, and this team, you know, when you look over this team, I, I was kind of dumbfounded that they're batting 258 as a team, which is 145th in the country. Mm-hmm. So you ask yourself, how how is a team that's 145th in the country in batting? How are they 10 and 3 and 9 and 3 in the ACC? But like you said, they're just so top heavy. The guys at the top are really getting it done. So I think the big thing for Louisville this weekend is they really have to focus on the bottom of the order. Don't right. let those guys beat you. You know, Cavadas is going to get what he's going to get. He just is. He's he's too good of a hitter. But you can't let the guy – they've got two starters that are hitting in the 100s. You you can't let those guys beat you. Those are the guys that you have got to keep hitless um, pretty much all weekend if you want to have a chance to go up there and do some damage against Notre Dame. Oh, absolutely. Like you said, it's a really top-heavy lineup. Like I said, Ryan Cole batting 368. Jared Miller batting 352, Carter Putz batting 356, and then like I said, Nico Cavadas batting 326. And then when you look at the the, the stats below, then Brandon Gins batting 277, Coetzee, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Both him and Lamana are batting 285, 
and then they really fall. If you're starting, you're talking about batting averages in the in the mid 100s, and then just you've got backup guys who are batting, you know, one oh fifty nine, two hundred, two thirty one. I mean, this is absolutely a team where if if Lova can find a ways to pitch around the the top of the batting order or the meet the middle of the batting order, they should be in good standing. But like we said, if the, the, the pitching staff has had some some some, uh, some consistency questions, so we'll see if they if, if they can find a way to take advantage of some of these you know the, the lackluster bottom of the batting order that Notre Dame has. And I think the biggest thing this weekend is just have to throw strikes. You know, we as a pitching staff we've issued ninety eight walks as a team, and we've only drawn ninety two walks at the plate. So I, I think we just have to really just throw strikes, especially to the bottom half of the lineup. Don't let them beat you. Just throw strikes and make them put the ball in play and let the defense field it behind you. Right. I mean, it sounds simple enough, like just throw strikes. I mean, but there have been times this year where we'll just struggle to do so right. uh, for, for what reason I'm not a hundred percent sure, but there have been times where they just can't find the strike zone and kind of bu- building off of that point, Notre Dame's had a little bit of consistency issues with their uh, right. uh, pitching rotation. In fact, there's only been one guy in their staff who started every weekend and that's a uh, left-hander John Betrand. He's got a 338 ERA, 26.2 innings pitch, 22 to 9 sh- uh, strikeout to walk ratio. He, he's a solid guy. And then you start getting into the, the rest of their pitching staff. Will Mercer's got an ERA north of 650. Uh, Christian Scafati, he's only got two appearances in midweeks. And then Tommy Sheehan, who, who, who's a really good pitcher. I remember him whenever the uh, Louisville last was supposed to face Notre Dame before um, – Corona, the coronavirus shut down last year's season. He's he's a really good guy, and he's off to a rough start. He's only he's only at a six uh, seventy five ERA. So, if Louisville's hitters, they 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 very well could have a field day off of this staff at least uh, after Friday, because I assume that Beatran's going to have that Friday night role because he's he's been the only consistent guy in their lineup. Yeah, and I think they've used six different starters this year, and just um, what do they play thirteen? 13 games yeah so you know they they've used six different stars in those games so they they really haven't pinned down their uh rotation either so i'll be curious to see who they decide to put out there um, but once they do get past the starters they've got a couple guys in the pen that are um really locking down uh joe sheridan he's thrown 14.1 innings hasn't given up a run yet and then alex rail i don't know how to rail rail uh Alex R. We'll call him that. <laughs> yeah, Alex R. He uh, he's thrown twelve innings and just given up one run. So they've got two guys in the bullpen that have uh, thrown uh, twenty six innings and have only given up one run. So you know we've we've really got to get after the starters because once they turn things over to the bullpen, they've got two solid guys at the back end that are really closing things down. Yeah, it could very well turn into the series where if you, if you've got to score your runs like right out of the gate. And there have been some times where Louisville, they'll score like maybe one run, maybe two runs in a couple uh, middle innings. And then through the late innings and the middle innings, you know, their offense will explode. This, this might not be the recipe for success against Notre Dame, because like you did, uh, like you said, Sheridan and Rao, they're really good bullpen guys who are and they're good middle relief guys who are, are going to shut, shut you down through innings, you know, four or five, six, maybe even seven. So Louisville is going to absolutely have to chase after those starting pitchers get the runs while you can, and then try and weather the storm once those um, those bullpen guys come in. And let's let's kind of move on from Notre Dame because uh, 
there's plenty of other worthy competition to talk about in the ACC. But for now, we're going to talk about the 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 next couple opponents that Louisville has, as, as well as a couple of their midweek opponents, because fans are going to be interested to hear who uh, Louisville's got on the docket soon. Um, their their next midweek game, it's not your normal midweek game. You're going to be playing Cincinnati, the Bearcats, and uh, in in true Cincinnati fashion, they're not they don't have a great great team i mean i think in was it 2019 they made their first ncaa appearance in like 40 years or something like that yeah, it'd been a long time since they made it yeah they're, they're eight and eight they haven't played in a conference game in the american yet but i mean it's it's a rivalry game anything goes we all know anything goes in a rivalry game and then uh, after that uh, next weekend they, they're facing wake forest who is it's like nc state a solid program but it's starting to they're struggling a little bit to start the season. They're only at six and eight and just two and six in the ACC, but the ACC is absolutely loaded this year, but it seems like the ACC is, is one of those conferences where they're just cannibalizing themselves, at least through the start of the season. Yeah. And I think, you know, so far Louisville's been fortunate enough that they lost the two to Georgia tech, but they were able to bounce back with two sweeps, but other teams haven't been able to do that. You know, they've gone two and one, one and two, it seems like in every series. So they're just kind of beating each other up, especially on, in our division, the other division, you've got a couple other teams that are beating up on the teams at the bottom. But um, in Louisville's division, you've got Louisville, Notre Dame kind of at the top, and the rest of them have losing records after Florida State, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, yeah, and, and Florida State, they're, they're a good program, too. They've had a, a bit of a rocky start. They're actually the um, the series after Wake Forest. and They're, they're at 10-6, and 7-5 in the ACC. They're, they're, they're doing all right so far, but – you and I both know Florida State's kind of had Louisville's number the last couple of years, especially in in eighteen or in nineteen, where they just embarrassed Louisville. I mean, they, Louisville got to the ACC title game in twenty eighteen, and they were up several runs with a couple innings to go, and then Florida State came back and kind of ended Louisville's dream to capture a first <laughs> ACC title. So we'll see if Louisville can take advantage of a down Seminole team. But before that series starts, it's it's that time. It they, is. It's it's coming up. It's coming up. What and fans, listeners, casual observers, what are we what are we referring to, Matt? What are we talking about? The Kentucky Wildcats. Yes, sir. Game one against the Kentucky Wildcats is just a mere couple weeks away. They are the midweek game before Louisville takes on Florida State. So we're gonna have a, a special podcast episode coming up just on them, just talking about them as well as that series with Florida State. It's gonna be a big one, but. Just prepare yourself, guys. That game's coming up, and like we said, it's a rivalry game. Anything goes, especially when both your teams are coming in really hot because I know the last couple seasons, Nick Mangione's Wildcats have, I don't want to say fallen on hard times, but there were a couple seasons where they didn't look all that great, but now they're starting to look back into form like they were in 2017 when Louisville gave them a nice little uh, quick exit out the door in the postseason, but that's neither here nor there. So that's going to be a fantastic game. I can't wait to dive into that one. Yeah, that is going to be a good game. And, you know, Kentucky, they're off to a hot start right now. Um, I think they are 14-4, and 2-1 um, mm-hmm. in the SEC after they beat uh, Missouri this past weekend. Like I said, don't want to dive into it a whole lot. But the 14-4, and four, um, I think it's kind of fake because they their schedule is ranked <laughs> 219th in the country right now. Like, let's be honest with ourselves. Um, sure. you know, the rivalry smack talk's already starting. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they could come into Louisville in a couple weeks and beat us, you know, just because – we're still working get some things out, especially with midweek pitching, but let's not get too excited over that right now right. until they start playing some teams in the SEC. Ooh, shots fired. I love it. But like I said, we'll get into that in a later episode. 
And Matt, I know it's been a while since we got together. It was three weeks, but man, I feel like we just got back right on, right on beat, right on track. Fantastic episode. We've covered a lot of ground. Louisville's they're starting to turn a corner, have two back-to-back conference sweeps midweeks. I think they'll start to get those together. Got a big, that big series against Notre Dame coming up. I, I can't wait. First pitch for that Notre Dame game is going to be, as of this recording, it's going to be on March 26th. It's a Friday. It's going to be at 4 p.m. Eastern. You can find that on ACC Network Extra. Unfortunately, you're still going to have to stream it on your um, tablet or your phone or whatnot. And they're going to, they haven't announced a radio designation yet, but it's more than likely going to be on 93.9 The Ville. But if not, you can always check it on 1440 WVWX. I think I got that right. I always get that, that AM station radio acronym. I think it's WXVW, right? 1450. We'll just go with the number. Good grief. Yeah, 1450. We're (laughs) going to roll with that tonight. Yeah, we'll just go with that. But like I said, this is Matthew McGavick, deputy editor for Mobile Report. You can find my content over um, on Louisville at SA, both on Facebook and Twitter. You can follow my personal general wasp on Twitter. Matt, where can they find you? You can find me on uh, cardinalsports.com, part of the Rivals Network, uh, on Twitter at Matt Sefkovic. And just recently I have joined the College of Baseball Nation team. So you can find me on there. Uh, Some of my stuff is posted weekly at College Ball Nat. And before I get further into exit, I just want to say you, you've been doing a great work over there. I've read a couple of your recaps and look at you just branching out, ex- expanding on that college baseball coverage with which college baseball needs. College baseball needs broader coverage. Like it really does. And it, it's nice where the Louisville's got a couple games on, you know, actual network television, but my God, I'm, I'm tired of looking at AC network extra, AC network extra, AC network extra ESPN plus for that EKU game on the road. I mean, I yearn for the day where college baseball can get regular coverage on cable TV. I'm sure it'll come, but it will one day. And, you know, once basketball's over, it seems like they start to get a little bit more, but it, I mean, a couple games a year, that's it. I mean, they really don't put them on TV. I think the Vandy game is normally on ESPN each year, but other than that, I mean, it's just a couple games here and there throughout the ACC on weekends. Yeah, uh, the Vandy game. I'm just checking. Yeah, it's on. It's on ESPN and you. The road okay. game at Kentucky's on ESPN and you. The home game against Kentucky, which is the one on April 6th ahead of that Florida State series, that's on HC Network. So I mean, we're we're getting there. This is Matt McGavick, joined by Matt Sakovic. Thank you guys for listening. This has been the third episode of the Third and Central Podcast, a Louisville baseball centric podcast hosted on the State of Louisville Network. And then the immortal words of Sean Moth. We'll see you at the ballpark. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.